second then I was thinking do you know what I was thinking of is that curry I was like, thinking of that curry we went for in Sheffield but obviously we that went out for. that we went out for and I started to say it and I was like no she didn't cook that hello and welcome to the we do hope podcast from Amos Trust I'm Jessie and I'm Tilly and we'll be your hosts as each episode will be joined by fascinating guests from around the world exploring what hope means to them We'll be jumping in at the deep end, talking to people about some of their biggest challenges and where they find hope in their daily lives. These conversations might inspire, surprise or move you, but we'll come away with a little bit more hope, hopefully. So let's dive in. Well, good morning, Jessie. How are you doing today? Good morning, Tilly. I'm very well, thank you. It's a little bit earlier than I normally get started, but I'm I've got a nice strong coffee and I'm really so excited to chat to our guests today. I know this is one of my uh, absolute favorite, favorite people we're going to have on the podcast. I'm so excited. And I've actually got a couple of questions for you, Jessie, before we uh, welcome her. Yes, Um, go for it. Do you have any of the following ingredients in your kitchen? Um, Tahini. I do have tahini. Harissa. I do. Pomegranate molasses. I actually do have some pomegranate molasses at the back of the fridge. Zatar. I've got some zatar. Preserved lemons. No preserved lemons. I have uh-uh. a lemon, but it's not preserved. <laughs> well, if you like cooking or eating, it is likely that you have enjoyed a mouthful influenced by the brain of our guest today, Noor Murad. And it's likely that you might have a couple of those ingredients as well. Noor heads up the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen in which she and a team of culinary talents think up, try out, perfect, rethink and then publish recipes for the Ottolenghi recipe books and online publications. Ottolenghi has basically become its own type of cuisine, hasn't it? I mean, the signature Ottolenghi style, which we've come to know and love, the exquisitely spiced vegetables, earthy tahini sauces, chickpeas, 1000 different ways, has exploded over the last 15 years. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that Yotam Ottolenghi and his team have changed the way we eat completely Mm -hmm. and the culture of feasting in this country and beyond. Um, and Noor Murad is one of the creative forces at the heart of the Ottolenghi crew. She started working with Ottolenghi in 2016. And before that, she was trained and lived in New York. Born and raised in Bahrain with a Middle Eastern father and a British mother, her culinary and cultural influences are really broad. And we'd love to ask her about bringing Bahraini techniques, flavours and history to the Ottolenghi table. So my kitchen at home has at least four Ottolenghi cookbooks in it. And my boyfriend and I are uber fans of everything Yotam and the team does. And we actually cooked one of the recipes from the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen cookbook this weekend for about 40 of our friends. And it went down an absolute storm. Um, So we are totally obsessed, especially with Noor's Instagram. Was that from Shelf Love? Yes, from Shelf Love. What did you cook? It was the um, the confit tandoori chickpeas. Ooh, they were delicious. just yeah, lovely. I haven't tried that one, but my family's Easter revolves around Ottolenghi's mushroom lasagna, and we just mm. have it every year. It's become a tradition that we have. Yeah, 
What a great tradition. And uh, Amos Trust and Ottolenghi have a tradition of a very special relationship of many years as long-term friends. And we're so delighted that one of the brains behind the brand is with us today to talk about her journey to the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen, which we might refer to as OTK in the podcast. So welcoming to the We Do Hope podcast, the Queen of Middle Eastern Feasts, Noor Murad. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for that introduction. (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. All true. We're very excited to talk to you today. We're we're so, so excited. And I think I'm going to get really hungry during this conversation. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, it's almost breakfast time. So that's a good thing. And Jesse, I'm very impressed by your very well stocked kitchen. I mean, only preserved lemons were missing. So yeah, I was I felt like I was doing quite well. Weirdly enough, I went on a bit of a spree the other day. Zata and was just really craving it I think probably in preparation for this podcast it was kind of yeah. it was on my mind <laughs> I just really fancied some so yeah it's kind of given me lots of inspiration <laughs> to get into the kitchen and um, where are you joining us from today Noor? Um, home uh, in North London. Where's home for you? Oh North London mm-hmm. yeah and it's a lovely yeah. sunny morning today. I know it's. Uh, I'm not complaining. I I am. <laughs> I was born and raised in a desert island, so for me, the sunshine is uh, is always welcome. <laughs> I always said I would um, never move to England, even though I'm, my mom was English. I was like, I'm never going there. The Fair because of the weather. Uh, I know, but then never say never because now I'm here and this is home. <laughs> well, oh. enjoy the sunshine while it lasts. And we're very happy to have yeah. you. So thank you for staying. Um, we always start the podcast with the same question, Noor, which is what's something that's made you hopeful this week? And that could be, you know, a very brief encounter with a friend or a stranger or a book you've read or something really small or something big. Um, well, um, it's, it's the thing that has brought me hope this week actually was on Saturday over the weekend. It's a, it's a sad thing that, but there was a lot of happiness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well. Um, it was a, it was a friend's memorial on, on Saturday and, um, I'd never been to a memorial before where so many people showed up, um, and everyone kind of came up and read a different story. Um, about uh, Nick's Nick's life and his personality and things that you know his uh, high school report card uh, you know a string of emails that he'd written in, <laughs> in university about like you know planning a drunk night out um, oh. and all the ways in which he just completely embraced life and although it, there was so much sadness there because uh, we all you know miss him there was also so much uh, happiness and comfort in knowing that he lived life to the absolute fullest. Mm. And there were all these people here celebrating him. Um, so, yeah, I think I came away on Saturday feeling very, like, uh, contemplative, but also also feeling very much like, you know, you only get one life and you have so yeah. many opportunities to just live it, you know. Wow, that's amazing! Thank you for sharing that, and obviously, we're we're our hearts go out to you and your friends for for losing Nick. And it sounds like that you sent him off in the best way possible, and so much love and celebration. I think is 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 the best way to send our goodbyes to someone who's left us. So um, th- I'm very sorry for your loss, but thank you for sharing because I completely agree that those moments of mourning can be intensely hopeful. So thank mm-hmm. you. 
Yeah, absolutely. It sounds it's incredibly bittersweet, isn't it? And like you say, it made you feel really contemplative and that we only do have one life. And so lovely that you got to see all of those facets of someone's life as well from different perspectives and different people sharing stuff. So that's really, really lovely. Thanks for sharing, Noor. Well, listen, let's get into kind of the well, the kind of meaty bits um, of the podcast then. So how do you want to take us back to the beginning, maybe? Um, that seems like the best place to start. And where you grew up, do you want to tell us a little bit about growing up in Bahrain and maybe what inspired your love of cooking to, to begin with? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I was born in Bahrain. Um uh, my mom is English. My dad's Bahraini. They they met at university actually in England, and then my mom moved <laughs> to Bahrain without even knowing, never even hearing of this country before. <laughs> wow. So where am I going? Okay, I guess I'm going. Uh, and then uh, what we do and, uh, for love. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I tell her. She was, <laughs> and now she's been there for over forty years. So I think, um, I think she's like now uh, she's definitely a Bahraini. You know? oh. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and yeah, so I grew up very much. It's Bahrain, if anyone doesn't know, is a small island off the coast of Saudi Arabia, um, and it's a it's a very like small town kind of vibe there. Small island vibes. Everyone knows each other, so very much like a community. You just go somewhere and you know someone by their family name, type of thing. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know your grandfather and, and things like that, um, and. Uh, my mom actually is the one who inspired my love for like uh, food and eating and uh, going through the fridge and seeing what's there because uh, <laughs> my mom loves to cook um, and she would cook all sorts of things like um, but she my mom doesn't really love Bahraini food so much uh, okay <laughs> so she <laughs> she would always cook the things that she wanted uh, to eat which which was a lot of it was you know of some comfort foods um like shepherd's pie and spaghetti oh, bolognese really? and and, uh, and these kind of things but also like whatever else you wanted she, she's very much self-taught she, would, she has so many cookbooks and she wants to cook a certain cuisine she'll just oh. find it in her cookbooks and make it um and she's also like a really keen baker so she's very good at probably way better than i am at uh, cooking like baking She's got the best Victoria sponge I've ever had. Um, I love that you were having all these really British classics in kind of Bahrain in the 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 heat. Spag bowl, spaghetti bolognese is the classic kind of mum food, British mum food. (laughs) I think my mom, like she kept certain traditions. One of them is that we knew all about the food, of the English food, uh, but she also kept christmas and pancake day they were, those are the two, those, those oh, two very important holiday <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, absolutely. um but you know on the other hand I, it was bahrain is like bahrain is like a melting pot of cultures the food is very you know people think of um middle eastern food and they just think meza hummus sure. uh, hamara, like these things and you know that's sure that's that's there but it's very much um food within the Levant um, and that that part of the Middle East. But the Middle East is so broad and um, Bahrain is really interesting and unique because we're kind of like a mixture of three different cultures. So we have Arabic food, but then it's also very much influenced by Persian flavors. Um, so loads of herbs and uh, sour, 
sour lemon uh, and sumac and, and these kind of things and lots of dairy, yogurt and feta. Um, but then we also have all the spices um, from India. So we love heat and chili uh, and everything has like a depth of, of spice to it. Um, so it's kind of like three different cultures in, in one, really. That's kind of our food. And I've always loved it. And because I didn't eat it at home, um, I always loved eating it at my friend's house or going to like the market with my dad. My dad loves this kind of food. And we go eat like cheesy samosas um, in, in, a, in like, you know, oil stained paper bags and eat it mm. in the car together. Oh, delicious. Um, <laughs> in secret. <yeah. laughs> in, in secret, I know. We couldn't, although my mom always knew she's secret like, samosas. she's like, I can smell the samosas in the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how then did you get from Bahrain to New York and training to become a professional chef? Uh, well, I, you know, I wanted to be a, a, a cook. Like I, I didn't, I, you know, I was one of those people in high school that just wanted to be everything. You know, first it was ballerina. Then I realized I had the wrong body type and I'm five <laughs> foot two and three quarters and it was never going to happen for me. And then, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that was five-year-old me. Uh, and then, you know, then it was like, I want to be an archaeologist. And then, uh, then I want to be a physiotherapist. Um, and, and, you know, it's one thing after the other, like, how do you know what you want when you're a teenager? Um, and, uh, and then I was like, oh, I want to get into food. And I remember my, I telling my dad this and, you know, it's, it's probably, we don't, it's not like here, we don't have GCSE and A levels. The curriculum is very much, um, more international slash Americanized, hence mm -hmm. my, my accent. Uh, <laughs> my mom is still like, she's been in England now for five years. When is her accent going to change? <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> yeah, you haven't picked up the British accent yet. I know, I know. But I, where's I your mom from in the UK? Um, my mom is from Northampton, actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and my dad, uh, first, you know, I was straight A students, like, you know, and my dad was like, you know, doctor, lawyer, uh, all these possible things. And then um, when I said, uh, no, I want to be a chef, uh, it was kind of like, what? Mm. <laughs> um, so then, you know, my dad being the smart man that he is was like, well, I'm going to get you a summer job and we'll see if you still want to be a chef afterwards. <laughs> so um, literally so, like going into the hot kitchen. Yeah, yeah. He was can like, yeah, yeah. she doesn't know what she's talking about <laughs> and then and then I did I, I worked in a in a hotel um, and I just as a trainee there for free uh, all summer um, oh wow the things and, we'll do uh, yeah yeah and and you know and I just and I just did it and I loved it because it was the most chaotic environment I'd ever been in I was like the what is happening um, <laughs> the whole time and uh, and I think everything else for me and my life was so structured and so you know you love the so chaos like of island it. vibes I did and I sometimes I'm like what was I thinking? but um uh, <laughs> but I did I did <laughs> love the chaos of it and and I came home going like that's it I'm gonna be a chef and I was just like oh god my wow. plan my plan but, was oh, man, not fired <laughs> <laughs> what a great um, moment though to feel like you found the thing that you need to be doing and you know being totally set alight by by it and that's so that's such an amazing thing to have so young as well yeah yeah I think I think so I think as well like um in a kitchen like it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your family name is. It doesn't matter. Uh, but these are all things that 
that mattered in Bahrain. But mm-hmm. in a kitchen, it didn't. You're all equal, um, no matter what your background is. Uh, yeah. it, what, what mattered in that moment is that you are together and working as a team to make other people happy in some way. Uh, and I liked, I liked being a part of that. I have got a question now about the the Ottolenghi test kitchen. What is a typical day like in in your job? What do you do? And what do you have for lunch? Like, do you ever just eat a cheese and onion sandwich from Tesco? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, the test kitchen is really interesting um, because I, I always call it like the creative hub um, of, of, uh, of Ottolenghi. It's um, the creative heart. And um, not to say the rest of it is all heart. You know, everyone brings something to this. This company is so multifaceted. But I feel like um, the test kitchen itself is a place of creation. Um, And there is so much going on, um, you know. And there's always, and we're a very, we're quite a small team at the moment. There's uh, nine of us, eight or nine of us. Yeah. And, And we kind of, all work on different things independently but also collaboratively so we have a a weekly guardian column a monthly new york times column and then there's always a cookbook in (laughs) in motion there's always something that's being tested for a future project um and yeah and wherever else we need to create recipes for whether it's social media or something or youtuber and um you know each person will kind of take it on an idea like I really want to make this um and and you do and you have that kind of freedom to do that um we kind of brainstorm together like every couple weeks um, for the upcoming columns or different plans and that's always really fun because you come up with an idea and then someone else be like oh my god yeah I remember I had that here and I want to make it with this twist and and then you totally own it um yeah. and sometimes it does not work at all it's <laughs> It's completely like your head and like reality are just, they're not, it's not happening. Um, but other times it like takes you on this whole journey. Um, and then, you know, you, you grab someone or you grab the team and you taste together. And a lot of the time it's someone else's feedback. Like, I really think this could just use a bit of acid somewhere mm-hmm. and it will transform the whole dish. So that's why, you know, a lot of our recipes are very collaborative um even though it's one person kind of carrying them carrying them out I love that you share some of your kind of recipes in progress as well on your Instagram there was a a pie I think (laughs) it was a mushroom pie or a mushroom yeah it was a mushroom pie I think you love mushrooms Jessie I love mush I am big into mushrooms (laughs) and you were kind of sharing you were saying it's good but it's not quite there and I thought it looks there looks really good to me but I like that you're kind of sharing things that are you know, it's, it's kind of, it's almost there and the progress, the process of that, it just looks so much fun. Yeah, it is. I think um, it is fun. It's a really fun job. Uh, but, so, you know, sometimes also the testing can be just so frustrating because right. there's always, you know, you could, we're, I think we're all perfectionists at the test kitchen and we all just want one thing, which is to make the recipe as good as possible at like, you know, autolenghi level and uh and sometimes you make it you make it you make it you just it's just not getting there and and towards the end like that mushroom tart I was like I never want to eat another mushroom tart 
for the next five years. It's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Send them our way. You can send them to us. Actually, I wanted to ask a a question about your, um, once you've done, once you've completed your recipe and you think you're there, do you send it to somebody for testing? So uh, someone outside the kitchen? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, We have a cross tester. Um, her name's Claudine and she's been working for your time for like, I, I want to say like 10 years or, or more. Um, and she, she lives in Wales, uh, with her, with her kids and her husband. And, and it's really good for us because it's outside the test kitchen. Cause sometimes you can get so caught up in it, in, in, in that little bubble you need an outsider's perspective you need someone who's not in it who's just being sent a recipe and making it for friends and family and neighbors and anyone around and that's Claudine and also Claudine knows um she knows the test kitchen style um so she she knows that okay that that's really great it's not autolenghi enough or that's just not practical. I was using like seven pans <laughs> or, you know, something sure. like that. Um, and she'll give us her feedback on, on what worked for her and what didn't. And we'll adjust those recipes accordingly. Um, so even though they're being tested multiple times in Test Kitchen, then they're tested again and before the final edit. Um, and then, oh. yeah, we'll place the recipe in, in its home. Oh, well, well fantastic if, job. If, you ever, if Claudia never wants a day off, I'm happy to volunteer as baby. <laughs> Daily is ready. She has preserved lemons. She's I got have preserved lemons and black garlic. <laughs> and, and you spoke before um, about the kind of Bahraini flavors. And, and it's so fascinating hearing more about that because... That's something we just had no idea about, did we, Jesse? And and I sort of wanted to know how you like do have you brought those flavors and flavor profiles to the Ottolenghi um uh table and books and things like that? Like to, can you talk a little, a little bit more about how how you that has just flown right in? Um yeah, I sure. Um yeah, I can't help myself like with uh with my with you know what I know uh and what I love and it's very interesting because at Test Kitchen everyone has their own identity that you just know that's such a Noor recipe or you know (laughs) and uh, for me it's anything that's very um building of flavors from the ground up with lots of herbs uh like sour elements um you know it's 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 me and and I think I think I started uh developing because a lot of our recipes are going to the Guardian and then we'll we use them for our cookbooks uh, if we think that they're cookbook worthy and um, quite a few of recipes that are very defined by uh, my palate ended up in uh on flavor um so which is a fantastic it... book as well yeah <laughs> thank you um so you know things like cooking with yogurt um black limes black mm. limes are very unique uh to persia and the gulf countries um because they're it's basically a dried lime, um, which traditionally they used to dry in the sun, but now on mass they dry them in, in a factory. Um, so <laughs> let's be let's be, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, they are just you know everyone's like oh my god what is it like and you, you think about it so you're like well it's not that exotic it's just a dried it's just a lime it's just dried but it has a completely different flavor profile it's very bitter uh, and I love things that are are bitter i love bitter food i love coffee um so um 
you put black we we use black limes in pretty much everything uh from soups stews tea uh, uh marinades um and i i i started using it in different different ways and different things so uh, we did, I did a tofu, black lime tofu dish uh, for flavor. Mm. Um, and then there's some more in shelf love. Um, and yeah, anything with like a lot of herbs, that's very quite a unique t- technique to, to Persian food, which mm-hmm. Bahrain also adopted. So it's using herbs, not just to finish a dish, usually you know, that sprig of parsley or like, oh, I need something green. It's more uh, using it as a foundation of a dish. So yeah. Not instead of ten grams, you're using like seventy grams of herbs, chopped up uh, as a base for a stew or a sauce. Um, and once you cook herbs for that long time, you f- like fry them; they become really dark and super fragrant. Mm. Um, and they're just they just develop a whole different uh, flavor profile. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to get hungry it, now. Yeah, <laughs> my my I'm mouth started. is watering. Yeah, <laughs> Good, I'm it. literally just going thinking in my mind what's in my fridge and how can I kind of use this these ideas. Yeah, yeah you're like I don't need preserved lemons; I need black limes. Yeah, I'll be trying some limes. I'm pretty myself. sure we've got some in the in our in our spice cupboard, and my boyfriend has put them in a jar. And I really was like, what are these black balls in, in the cupboard? <laughs> and they are dried limes. Otolenghi described you, I think, as Bahrain-made, New York-trained. Yeah. Do you think that that, what's the new, how would you describe the New York style and how does that come into your, your um, work? Well, you know, I really think that, like, I came into myself in New York as in, like, I really kind of embraced who I was um, in New York. And I think New York has that way, that effect on people. Um, sure. Because it's it's, like, going from this tiny island to this big city, with all these different, very opinionated, opinionated American people, where I was like this very shy, timid, Bahraini girl. um, And New York is such a melting pot. It's just like London. um, And that is a melting pot of different cultures. Um, And I think New York, for me, I always say kind of shaped me because I really developed my identity there. Like I realized, you know, from someone who's always wanting to leave, I just want to get out of this tiny island, to someone who was like, oh, these are the flavors that in a country where I feel so small <laughs> compared to everything else, uh, these are the flavors that I gravitated towards. This, these mm-hmm. three. And, um, and New York kind of helped me kind of embrace that and, and just also build this confidence um, and in myself. So it shaped you on a personal level as well as I, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I went to culinary school there. I, I studied at the Culinary Institute of America, um, and then I and I worked there for a year in Manhattan. Um, and it was just for me, like New York. It was it's always going to be that place that uh, had that lasting effect on me. Sure. It has that magic, doesn't it? That it's kind of brings you out yeah. of your shell and all those standing lunches and kind of fast pace and so many different yeah, types yeah. of people. And the bakery Absolutely. culture as well. Like uh, you, yeah. I, I've got a friend who just goes and just goes to the bakeries and uh, that, that's all she does. Like that she doesn't do any touristy way to things. spend your time. Yeah. She is like <laughs> breakfast, lunch and dinner, three different bakeries every day. Yeah. Is yeah, this definitely. you, Tilly? It's not me. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great though 
Oh, and when you've come, kind of when you moved to Ottolenghi's team in 2016, and you've been working there since then. And I, I mean, I follow you on Instagram and I've tried out some mm-hmm. of the recipes from there. I tried out miso bananas recently, which I can say were incredible. Mm-hmm. And also I love bananas and I always have, I always have so many of them that it was great <laughs> to know what to do with them. But how do you feel kind of knowing that you're, influencing so many people and inspiring people to try out different things and like you say try out um different types of limes and black limes and all these different experimental things that maybe they haven't tried before is it nice to kind of know that do you get feedback from people saying that they've tried something new or how does that kind of relationship work with how does it feel to kind of know that you're playing that role I mean, it's it's very uh, it's very heartwarming. Um, I think sometimes, uh, as being in the chefing world, whether whether it's working in restaurants or uh, working in a test kitchen or, or where, wherever it is you work, it can be very you know it is a very stressful environment, and you're constantly sure um, you're so stuck in it um, that you don't take yourself out of it for just a tiny second and I think with books uh, especially the OTK books were very they happened very fast and we really put them together and built this whole um, brand of test kitchen and sometimes you get so um, caught up in it that you don't take a moment to be to think about um, the fact that these recipes are landing on people's tables all over the world um, even in Bahrain, where it all started. Mm. Um, and it's so heartwarming when I actually took my foot off the accelerator for a tiny second and saw these these recreations of dishes that happened in a test kitchen in North London um, and the joy it brought people. And I think it, remind, it took me back to that 16-year-old person who got into it in the first place yeah. <laughs> because um, this collaborative effort of chefs uh, brought people happiness and and I think it's important to kind of remind yourself of your why um in these instances oh that's so lovely and I love that it's also you've got recipes that uh, people are cooking your recipes in Bahrain as well where yeah. it all began <laughs> I mean what does your dad think now and your mom and dad yeah, I want to know what your mom thinks is she finally <laughs> cooking Bahraini food <laughs> or is there going to be a Norse bag bowl coming soon <laughs> one day one day I will <laughs> I will kind of take my Arabic and I'll take my English and I'll mix them into an <laughs> Arabish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, no, my, my, they're very proud. They're, they're my biggest supporters, my biggest cheerleaders. Um, you know, uh, my dad, since he retired, is always in the kitchen, like making all these. The kitchen was always my mom's territory. And now my dad's coming in, like cooking. And my mom's like, whoa. It's like another room in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're very, very supportive. Aww. So it was worth putting you into that kitchen at 16 to... I think so. I think yeah, yeah I think, it worked uh, out. He's, <laughs> he's taking all the credit, obviously. Um. He, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's well on board yeah. now. It was all his yeah, idea. Yeah. I told her everything yeah, she yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like you. He said to me because my dad's signature meal uh, growing up was cheese cheese omelets. Uh, and even when Ooh. I was at culinary school, he was like, "You're never gonna make a cheese omelet like I make it." just want to put that out there. <laughs> I'm like okay I'll give you that <laughs> the cheese omelet is his dominion he's like I've it got, is, I've got that down 
Well, you know, this podcast is all about hope and that's kind of the theme of, of the podcast. And we're exploring that in different ways each episode. And I wanted to ask you about, it's quite a broad question, but how do you relate to that idea of hope? What does hope mean to you? I know it's a difficult one and we've kind of asked <laughs> ourselves this and we're hoping to discover this along the way. But if you had to define hope, um, how does it kind of feature in your daily life? What does it mean mean to you as a concept? What does hope mean? That is such a... That is really it's a big one. one. It's a big one for before 9am, um, isn't it? Yeah, it really, it really is. I mean, if you, I was thinking about your, your cookbook shelf love yeah, and it didn't that, I know it's not, it's not a lockdown book. It kind of, it's got recipes that would last a timeless and you can use whenever, but I was, it got me thinking about hope in the context of that, because that was such a difficult time and awful time for so many people. And you obviously something hopeful did come out of that for you. And you kind of rethought how you were maybe, you know, it's so, much, so much inspiration came from that time for you. <laughs> yeah um definitely i think i mean shelf love is filled with hope um for so many people but i i think i think for me um hope has to do with anything that kind of warms your heart it doesn't have to be food it can be family and friends it's uh it's kind of like finding your light um even in the darkest of times um that's what hope is um and i think it's what grounds you um because you know with no you know without sounding super like philosophical or anything but like there is the world is sometimes really messed up um a lot of things happen that are completely out of our control and um i think the only thing that does get you through from day to day in the worst of times is uh your hope your faith um knowing that things will get better um Mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with with love um for wherever you find it if it's a family if it's a friend if it's a partner if it's your pet (laughs) um and uh and that giving you that that energy that that rejuvenation Mm. um that that feeling that you know i'm here i have one time to be here um and you know i i need to keep doing and living uh, and being Oh, that's so beautifully put. I uh, that's very, 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 yeah. That warms my heart, actually. Nor you <laughs> saying all of that, and I think you know the act of sharing food around a table and uh, sitting down with friends or family or strangers. You know, I think that's one of the most uh, beautiful acts we can do, and uh, I think you know that's something that can really warm your heart and find the light in the darkness, even at the end of a really big difficult day. If you sit down and you have a heartwarming bowl of chickpeas in front of you you know <laughs> there's there's a light there isn't there yeah absolutely um and I and I also find um your Instagram incredibly hopeful because I see all <laughs> your, your beautiful recipes and also your creativity but also your colleagues in the OTK and it was really really um I don't know, just like, I, I just want to be part of the team. It looks like the best place to work. <laughs> and it also, um, you know, it's an incredibly diverse team. You've got people from all over the world. You've got different genders. And I just wanted to ask you, like, is that a standard for the food industry to have such a brilliant balance of people in one room making crude? Uh, you know what? 
for me, from my experience, it has been. Um, any kitchen I've worked and I've worked in three different continents has always been different, um, different nationalities, different people, different walks of life, different backgrounds, all coming together and making and being on equal ground. Um, and I think working at, I mean, I started working at Osalangi the, the week I moved um, to London. I, I applied That's from Bali. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I applied. I was like, I'm going to be working for you and you don't even know it yet. So, <laughs> I love that. And, uh, it's just going yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I put that energy out there. <laughs> and then uh, and uh, I, uh, I, I think working at Adelangi was this is such a, it, it was such a beautiful thing for me because of all these different cultures and because of the people. And people are always like, oh, what makes Adelangi Adelangi? And yeah, okay, it's vegetarian food and it's big plates and it's abundance and, and it's a lot of Middle Eastern flavors. But what makes Adelangi Adelangi is the people. Mm-hmm. The people that work in this company um, who bring their own taste, their own flavors, their own influences to the kitchen, to the cookbooks, to the recipes. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a company that kind of embraces that, brings it in. Um, and instead of saying you have to fit into our mold, it's like, well, what are your influences? And let's create it and share it. Um, yeah, let's break so, the mold yeah. and make a new one. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I, I, I think people might know this, or they might not, but um, so Ottolenghi uh, is the restaurants are headed up by Yotam Ottolenghi and Sami Tamimi. And uh, Yotam is Israeli and Sami is Palestinian. And I think the, the act of kind of coming together as those two different nationalities is incredibly representative of so much and so important. And, you know, thousands of people are enjoying Israeli-Palestinian culture and food every single day with maybe they don't even know that they, they are, but they, but that is a sort of trickle down power, I think. And it's so, it's so inspiring and so hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ottolenghi had, uh, he was quoted somewhere as saying that sitting down to eat with people is a political act. And I think there's something about, you know, not directly, but sitting down together across different cultures and there is something really hopeful and joyous about that and really human as well. It's such a human kind of basic thing, isn't it? To, to want to eat with other people and cook for people. It's a lovely social thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also, you know, other people um, cooking dishes. So, you know, from your own country uh, and even if they're not from there, it's, it's, it is a very beautiful thing because you want them to, taste a different flavor and also enjoy it and understand all these different cultures and all the different influences and also all of the connection because mm-hmm. you'll find a pie in one culture you know a sausage pie but then you'll find a different pie all over whether it's sure. an empanada or a samosa or whatever and and then you see all these bridges from one culture to the other culture and you see all these similarities um, yeah absolutely and, yeah so every recipe is kind of a story of all the kind of movement before and cultures and yeah. a melting pot of different stories. Yeah. And, and yeah, and you and you find similarities in every difference. Oh, that's so brilliant. On the, so on the days when you're a little bit tired, Nor, and you're feeling a little bit lacking in hope, I think what, what and also maybe like just lacking in inspiration and well-being what do you do what are some acts of kindness that you take towards yourself to kind of fill your well up and stay inspired and look after your well-being uh you mean like outside of work outside of work 
yeah um my i mean i think on days where i'm just feeling very low um and i just don't have that inspiration and you know i i'm not gonna lie those days have happened especially recently with the pandemic and everything mm. and it was very hard to find creativity when you everyone was stuck in one place because we weren't traveling we weren't moving we weren't going out to eat we weren't um i think for me i just had to kind of find things that actually made me feel happy and peaceful uh filling my days with with stuff whether that's activity going for a long walk going for my ridiculous 6 30 a.m crossfit workout um you know <laughs> calling up family um a lot of the time when i feel stuck i go back to the drawing board i go back to food i grew up eating i go back to my childhood um simple things simple foods nothing fancy um that kind of fills me up i feel recharged again yeah love that so, um, so food is a real comfort for you then you go back to those kind of familiar recipes yeah i think it's it's uh it's comfort and it's also like it's nourishment like mm-hmm. um you you feel you feel nourished like i think um uh, mindfully eating um kind of really sitting down not, not eating on the go and yes. not being so like caught up and sitting down uh and really just slow cooking um taking your time not being in a rush and maybe it could be something as simple as like a a chicken soup or something that your mom made when you were growing up and then sitting down to eat slowly sharing it Mm -hmm. with somebody else um for me this is so nourishing for your for your soul yeah totally and when we were all in lockdown I guess so many people did turn to cooking and as a comfort and those small things that they could kind of enjoy doing together and, or, and with the things that were in their cupboard as well. And one of the things I really love about shelf love is that it does use up things in the cupboard that you might not, it might've been sitting there a bit lonely before. And obviously chickpeas yeah. are, you know, a big part yeah. but kind of all the things that, yeah, you may be quite humble yeah. ingredients that, yeah. and you sort of elevate them and give them a, a bit of oomph. Um, did, did like, the because shelf love came out in was it september last year yeah that it came out yeah. and did um the pandemic shape it at all in terms of yeah. the recipes and the approach absolutely um i mean for uh, i didn't know this until i started working on publishing but books happen way ahead to what before they come right. out you know <laughs> actually um and then also Lengi, books are literally shot a year before they're released wow. um so but and usually they're probably a two to three year project but shelf love happened very fast because from conception may 2020 uh to shooting the actual book have all the recipes were done was september 2020 um and and it was because a lot of the creation and happened during a time where we were all separated um when you know the initially the first lockdown uh everything kind of you know every business is shut down things kind of fell up everything stopped maybe it was like uh life just hit pause mm-hmm. for all of us it didn't matter how fast we were going um i went to bahrain Yatam was in ireland the rest of the tusk kitchen were dotted around london and uh, we weren't seeing each other from going to seeing being in a very close-knit uh group to not uh mm-hmm. and what we realized is that we wanted to keep this test kitchen spirit alive uh, so we were cooking from home, me from Bahrain and 
Yassam from Ireland for his kids. Uh, and we were, we all had the same problem. It didn't matter where you were. It was finding accessible ingredients uh, mm. because nobody wanted to go to supermarkets or the supermarkets were not stocked. Um, yeah, you and, can get what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. So we were using up things that were in our cupboards or recycling old recipes that were very tin heavy and uh, the response we were sharing it on social media and mm-hmm. the response was so positive overwhelmingly so because people were like oh finally i can do adelangi without <laughs> without <laughs> having to go to a middle eastern supermarket and go nowhere like i want to be able to use all these things um i want to be able to make uh, uh two tins of chickpeas and turn it into the confit tandoori chickpeas sure. is a is a recipe that came to life in bahrain I'd made it <laughs> and I was like, what would happen if I can't beat a chickpea? You know, I had time to actually think of these things. I'm so I grateful know. to you for doing that. We, we eat it regularly in my, in my house. <laughs> oh, okay, great. I'm glad because, you know, I, I made it. I presented I remember I gave it to, I was my parents were my test kitchen all of a sudden. Yes. I was like, mom, do you like this? She was like, mm, I don't know. My mom doesn't like chickpeas. So she was like, mom, I don't know about this. And then, and then all of a sudden it became like this viral dish and, and I was like oh you still don't like chickpeas huh? <laughs> yeah a lot of people disagree a lot of people Look, like mom. it <laughs> um, that's so, the challenge and, then to come yeah. up with a chickpea recipe that your mum likes yeah no 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 and she actually she then made them like a few weeks ago she's like you know those tandoori chickpeas I made them and uh, they were so great and I was like oh where are mm. they now oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um oh. yeah I, uh, I love that you found it's kind of a new approach in in lockdown as well and testing out and swapping things out if you didn't have it there kind of seemed to be this spirit of encouraging people to swap something if they didn't have that exact yeah. thing in their cupboard and, and it encourages yeah. like creativity within the the user of the cookbook as well and and I love yeah. the I, I think there's like a line in there which is like we want this to become a workbook that's like stained with spices and <laughs> yeah. pages are folded down and yeah. I personally all of my cookbooks look like that because I'm very messy so good <laughs> I'm, I'm excited <laughs> so what's next then what's coming up for you what are you kind of looking forward to in the future um well uh, i'm looking forward to the second otk book uh which is coming out in september mm-hmm. uh it's called uh extra good things um and uh yeah i'm very excited for this one because i had a bit more time to work with um <laughs> in its creation and um and you know it's still very much in that very loose um friendly style uh, of 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 writing but it has a different concept extra good things is about you know shelf love is about stripping your cupboards and emptying everything and using up what you have and extra good things is about building your cupboards with different condiments and sauces and um all the little extras that kind of make your recipes really sing um so it's a it's a recipe book but each recipe has an extra that you could take away and maybe repurpose. So if you made it and you made a chili sauce and you love this chili sauce, you could use it again and put it on eggs or put it on a baked potato. Oh, or fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, so it's the gift that keeps oh, on giving. That sounds exactly, excellent. Exactly. And uh, I think just in the style of shelf love, I think food is meant to be that way. It's supposed to be quite fluid. Um, there should never be like rigidity in the way you cook or the way you approach a recipe. And and I think maybe sometimes, sometimes people are quite uh, scared of changing like every single thing. But for me, I'm like, just change it, see what happens. You might make it better for you. Um, so. Oh, I love that. 
Well, it's almost the end of our time together, Noor. But before we let you go, we've got a few. We've got our quick fire round of called Hope in a Hurry, and it's we're kind of asking for your prescription of for hope. So if someone is looking for a bit of hope, what can they do? So the first question is, what is your hopeful read? So this could be a book, magazine. Oh, I can hear Luna the dog. Yeah, my dog's just woken up. <laughs> she's quite, she's really lazy. She this wants is to the hear. Time she, gets up. she wants to hear what, what your hope and hurry is. Yeah, she's all ears. So, your hopeful read, Nor, what would that be? Uh, my hopeful read actually is a cookbook. Uh, it's, uh, it's, Am- it's Ammo by Asma Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was, she recently gifted me this book. And, um, and I've been really, fl- I, I got COVID a few weeks ago. So I was <laughs> just oh. feeling sorry for myself and <laughs> flicking through all my cookbooks. And I, I like to read a cookbook like like an actual novel. Yeah. Uh, so for me, this book is filled with hope because it's, it, it's dedicated to her mother and all the recipes that were passed down, all the recipes that she grew up with. And she makes this connection between food and love throughout the whole book. And it's so apparent. So I urge anyone um, to, to buy it. Oh, that sounds fun. And I will just say that all of Noor's Hope in a Hurry recommendations will be in the show notes. So don't worry, we'll, we'll link them there. Jesse, over <laughs> to you. Yes. So what about a hopeful watch then? So that could be a film, a TV show. Um, okay, well, I was <laughs> a hopeful watch. Okay, go laugh at me. But um, I, I always think about, you know, I'm not a huge movie buff. But when I think about like movies that actually make me really happy, I think of things I, I grew up watching. <laughs> and uh, The Sound of Music is always oh, up there for me. With, like, I the love most that. Movie. Okay? <laughs> when you're a kid, you watch it. And it's just like, you're just thinking of like someone singing The Hills Are Alive. Um, yes. and, and they're like, ah! But when you get older and you rewatch it, you see it's this woman who just like is coming into herself and being herself and learning and teaching people how to also like embrace being themselves in the process. Yeah, so um, true. So, yeah. I love yeah. that film so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, <me too>. um, <laughs> okay, next one, Hopeful Listen. So a good podcast or a radio show or something like that. Uh, is, apart from this podcast, uh, I <laughs> oh, you're so good, <laughs> Noah. We'll pay you later. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, uh, I really love uh, the um, podcast called "Feel Better, Live More" by Rangan Chatterjee, Dr. Mm-hmm. Rangan Chatterjee. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually re- listen to that podcast. I walk to work and walk back every day, so I always listen to it. Uh, he releases like these longer episodes on Wednesdays, and I always listen to it on the way there. And it's all about like health and well-being and um, mental health and, and, and so many things. And he brings all these like experts on and talks to them. And I, I love listening to other people, their stories, uh, what got them to this point in their lives. And um, yeah, how they feel that, you know, how to make the most of your life and feel better. Oh, well, that sounds we all brilliant. Need some of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And moving on then to the last hope in a hurry recommendation, what would be your hopeful anthem? And hopefully we'll get this to play us out on the podcast. So one uh, song. <laughs> it would be um, uh, Frank Sinatra's That's Life. Oh, that uh, song. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, even though he's like such a suave, like great, you know, man, and he's got this amazing voice, but like, the, you know, if you actually listen to the, the lyrics of the song, he's just like, that's that's life. Like sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. You just gotta pick yourself back up, and uh, 
and I really I really think that's a very hopeful oh, uh, song <laughs> oh some great sing-along ones there you've got sound of music yeah. that's yeah. life <laughs> you Love. can tell I'm into my musicals <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well there you go there's Noor's prescription for hope and all of those will be in the show notes so you can check them out Noor thank you so much for joining us we've had such a lovely time talking to you I'm absolutely starving I'm gonna go and see if what I can do with a chickpea at 9am to, 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 to breakfast um, tell us how people can keep up with you how can they follow you uh you can find me on instagram it's uh, uh nourish by noor uh but the, it's not nourish it's uh noor and r that's my, uh, my little pun i thought i was being clever but people think my name is nourish and i'm like that's <laughs> oh that's so funny i thought it was um i thought it was like like Moorish, you know how more like some you've like some things really Moorish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love. Well, I think your Instagram Moorish. handle. It is. It's a fantastic <laughs> handle. Um, so you can also go and buy Shelf Love, which is available everywhere, but also the new cookbook, which is OTK Extra Good Things, which is coming out in September. Pre-order that now. We can put the link in the show notes too. I'm so excited to have that on my shelf. And um, also Ottolenghi and Amos Trust have had a very special relationship for many years as big supporters of each other's work. And uh, Amos made a film with uh, Ottolenghi and Sammy a few years ago, and we'll put that in the show notes too. It's a fantastic um, sneak peek into the brains of two brilliant chefs and business people and people who are just interested in how food can change the world. And it's brilliant. Uh, so thank you so much Noor for joining us hope you have a lovely thank rest you, of your day Aww, thank you for having me <laughs> thank you people say you're riding high in April shot down in May but I know I'm gonna change oh, Tilly what did you think I'm starving <laughs> I am so hungry after that conversation <laughs> and I'm so excited to go and make a find... huge breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put black lime in everything now. Oh yeah, me too. I know it's it was I was kind of worried that I wouldn't be awake enough at 8am, which we obviously recorded before North starts work today at the OTK kitchen. Um but actually she was just so I feel so awake and alive after talking yeah. to her she's like caffeine in a conversation she is she She is she's just so joyful and oh oh yeah all the all of the food and it was just really interesting to hear more about her life as well and Mm. what hope means to her and she spoke a lot about you know the like community element of cooking together and eating together Mm -hmm. and I thought that was so beautiful yeah I I it was interesting, isn't it? Because she's she always thinks about food. She's food focused, and yes. you know how ma- how many people would absolutely love to do what she does and just think about recipes and try them out and do them all the time. And and it's so interesting hearing about someone who who gets to do something like that for a living and how she related that to hope. And and I and I wish we'd asked her what hope tasted like because yes. that's one of Amos's big famous questions that they often have at events and things like that and and I think I want to ask you Jesse what do you think hope tastes like oh it's such a good question isn't it I think for me I've got spaghetti bolognese on the brain now (laughs) and I mean I can't believe my mum will be like I can't believe you've said this because I literally grew up on spaghetti bolognese at least at least once a week but I think that kind of family 
those real classic family dishes that you just remind you of home instantly and sitting around a table with your family that feels hopeful to me and absolutely definitely joyful um and the fact that you can have those recipes and you can pass them down and to other people and share them with people and they'll put their own spin on it um it just feels like such a beautiful thing to be able to share with with friends and family what about you what does hope taste like for you other than black limes well, sometimes I think it tastes like different things on different days. Sometimes it's a black lime. Sometimes it's a bowl of pasta that my boyfriend's made for me. Sometimes it's a gin and tonic at the end of a hard day. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope tastes differently uh, on, depending on what time you ask me. But uh, it's it's like it's so that I feel like everyone feels like food and eating and sharing in a meal with with people is a kind of spiritual mm. or extremely important experiment experience like no matter who you are or where you come from and yeah. I love feeling validated in that feeling when Nora talks about it in terms and she's a professional eater and professional cook so she mm-hmm. must know what she's talking about absolutely and it's a way of understanding other people isn't it you kind of you get to know somebody through their cooking and what they like to eat and you know she was talking about how OTK has such a diverse team and people from um you know Palestine Israel we've got uh, well she's from Bahrain there's someone from India as well I think it's so lovely that there's such a mixed group of people and yeah I, I kind of got that from what she was saying about they all sort of try each other's food and bring something different. So I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, it was great. I don't know about you, but I feel very inspired to go away and cook for some friends. And uh, I think hosting and preparing food for someone is a is a true act of love and an act of service, isn't it? So um, I, I you're feel a very good cook. I've, I've had your I've we've eaten at yours before. I think we had a you made a lovely breakfast. It was really nice. Oh. So I'm kind of intrigued when we stayed over. <laughs> so you know I'll be there to eat and maybe wash up yes I mean actually washing up is my act of service most days I much prefer eating and washing up uh I think I'm much better at that but and my boyfriend's a very good cook so I let him do that bit oh well you know it's all good everyone yeah everyone it's needs to balance in. exactly <laughs> well it was so much fun today and I'm looking forward to the next one me too and I hope you have a lovely week full of good food Jesse. Thank you for joining us today on the We Do Hope podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you wanted to, you can share it with a mate and someone who you think might need a little bit of hope in their life. And you can rate, review and subscribe. And if you want to say hi, you can follow us at We Do Hope underscore podcast or find out more at www.wedohope.org. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Amos Trust, a small creative human rights organisation based in the UK. Amos aims to challenge injustice, restore rights and create hope, working with grassroots partners in three main areas, street justice, Palestine justice and climate justice. They work in creative, responsive and collaborative ways to bring about local solutions to global issues. For more details, please visit amostrust.org.au.